I'm Jet Trouble. And I'm Ren Cerebral. And welcome to A Secret Third Thing, a podcast where we discuss life beyond monogamy and polyamory. What does non-monogamy look like when we want to work towards abundance and away from hierarchy? And what the fuck does that even mean? It's chaotic, complicated, divine. It can be triggering, healing, activating, and transformative. I want to start with the question, what do you desire most of all, without anyone else's feelings in mind? Without any risk or punishment or shame, do you dare to whisper it? I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, so thanks for joining us for this very long awaited (laughs) Very, very long awaited. (laughs) Do you think that we should share a little bit more about ourselves, like our pronouns and relevant... Uh, yeah, any relevant identities? Sure. Yeah, my name's Jet Trouble. My pronouns are he, they. Um, I've been intentionally committed to non-monogamy for over eight years now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's wild. It's been quite the journey. Um, and we've been friends for, what, over four years now, mm-hmm. at least? Yeah. Feels like longer, because there's a I whole know. pandemic in there. Yeah, we met in 2019. On Which Bumble. <laughs> the only <laughs> The only time I've ever used Bumble and the it worked only out great. Lasting connection from that app for Struck sure. gold. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll share about myself too. Yeah, I'm Ren Cerebral, like I said. My pronouns are they them. I've been non monogamous for since twenty eighteen, so what is that? Five is that five ish? I'm, I'm a himbo who can't do math, yeah. but I trust you. <laughs> I think it's been five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and yeah, intentionally. Yeah, so I guess I met, yeah, I met, we met each other not too long after that. And our connection has been so uh, magnetic and trans- Absolutely. transformative, I think, for us both that we we tend to have these really intense long conversations that are mostly private but we do share that with other people and and like we'll be we'll we talk to each other around others and then we share i know for me i definitely share um big takeaways from our conversations (laughs) with um you know my other friends me too and every time that i do most every time <laughs> when, when the when the other person is like really curious and I'm not just purely info dumping, you know, <laughs> without any regard for what their, uh, you know, desire is or, you know, without any awareness of like mm-hmm. how invested they are in the conversation. Um, a lot of people are like, wow, like I would love to listen to a podcast about this. So here we are trying to just do the thing. Uh, trying to do the podcast the name of it is based on a tweet i I forgot we're gonna say oh yeah Yeah, on this (laughs) random tweet i saw one day and it was like not monogamy not polyamory but a secret third thing and that's us baby yeah (laughs) yeah and so i guess yeah that leads into the question if you had to say what is your secret third thing Mm. right now what what would you name it I think it's that I'm I'm very committed to 
creating networks of care mm-hmm. um, that exist outside the boxes of platonic, romantic, and really centering autonomous relating, mm-hmm. which is basically a fancy way of saying, I want my friends to do whatever the fuck they want, <laughs> even if it hurts my feelings. Yeah. Um, sometimes, especially if it hurts my feelings, because <laughs> sometimes that means it's, Mm-hmm. my own shit that I need to work on or um, like more uh, conversations that need to be had mm-hmm. but I want to create agreements not rules and even within agreements those are things that need to be very frequently renegotiated mm-hmm. because we're all changing all of the time even our, <laughs> our personalities our desires everything yeah, yeah my, my secret third thing has been in trying to embrace the fluidity of connection. And the more that I have long-term non-monogamous connections, it really just continues to show me that change is the only constant. And that's scary, but it's also good. The sentiment is definitely from Octavia Butler's Earth Seed, which is a religion she created in the Parable series, which I highly recommend, especially to folks who are Mm -hmm. curious about... Uh, venturing into the world beyond monogamy and polyamory. I think it's a very grounding mm-hmm. and helpful piece of writing, for sure, yeah. and religion. Well, I love. I just love how how much uh, you invoke that specific sentiment. And, and, mm-hmm. and beyond that, you know, in different events that we've, like, um, organized together and been at together, which is trying to center this type of relationship building if I was going to answer what is my secret third thing I I mean I have a hard time yeah putting a label on it and (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, naturally (laughs) you Um, (laughs) yeah my friends love to roast me on this constantly (laughs) (laughs) um it's almost you know stereo just a stereotype of I guess what most people associate with a relationship anarchy, which I do find resonance with. Me too. Um, me too. Absolutely. Especially the relationship anarchy manifesto, which yeah. I think is a a thing that we feel really connected to, both of us individually. Yeah, for sure. I, I love just re- just reading it. I've found that people, even who have an aversion to those two words together, mm-hmm. <laughs> relationship anarchy, if you take it out of that context and just show like the, the content tenants, of that yeah. zine, yeah, and, the, and even, without the elaboration, yeah, the tenets, a lot more people than you would expect do find resonance with that. As if if it's not how they're living their life, even just as an aspiration, I, I don't want to shy away from relationship anarchy as a, as a term. However, I also will strategically you know use other language such as like autonomous relating mm-hmm. for similar reasons that you have described i yeah very much think that all of the anything i'm trying to do in the way that i interface with relationships is based in just trying to be as free as possible yeah um and some people do see that as a contradiction to being caring mm. and i i don't think that that is a fact yeah i i deeply disagree with that yeah. and i think that's been for for each of us something that we've seen where for me 
it can't be relationship anarchy unless we're centering disability justice Mm -hmm. and care where if you want to just cruise (laughs) go cruise baby and be real about it you know i think a lot of people also think that non-monogamy is really centered around sex yes um and sex is a part of it sometimes but not always you don't need to fuck a bunch of people to be relationship anarchist or a Mm non-monogamist and that's something that's really important to me to say as well i think people too think oh i'm gonna have this certain desire or this libido forever you never know what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. we're all changing all the time so if it's only focused on sex what about care? Who's going to who's going to take care of you? Who are you going to take care of? That mm-hmm. that's more important to me. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with you. And I definitely look forward to like yeah, getting more into these nuances in mm-hmm. the future cuz I think there's so much to unpack. Absolutely. And yeah, we're continuously learning all the time. Uh, all the time and th- we have two questions that we want to focus on centrally today just for the intro but i also before that wanted to highlight some identities that we have that are shared which is uh that we are both disabled Mm -hmm. and i think that that's important to highlight absolutely and that is a big thing that has brought us together and that has grounded us um, at least from my perception no definitely (laughs) i definitely Um, agree yeah in in all these things that we will talk about today and in the future Um, and i'd like to highlight that because i i do believe it is a very central piece of what brings me to why i'm trying to do relationships the way that i'm trying to do them Mm -hmm. and i i know there's a lot of people who in a reactionary state will want to claim that there is some injustice to disabled people by like saying that striving towards non-monogamous non-hierarchical relating is ableist uh, is ableist yes um and so i guess i just wanted to yeah we can get more into a different i think maybe a different episode right right (laughs) but i just wanted to highlight you know where we're coming from also we're neurodivergent as fuck yes (laughs) And we're really passionate about taking a trauma-informed approach. Yes. Um, as yeah. well as, yeah, centering disability justice, which isn't to say that, I mean, I think, obviously, even as disabled people, there are things that I've learned from you. Like, our experiences with disability are so vastly different. Right, yeah. Just like the entire community. But it informs our experience and our decisions and our relationship styles. Yeah. I guess I want to prop up the first question Mm. and I'll direct it to you Um, in the context for asking this is I think a lot of times when people are curious about non-monogamy but it's not working out for them they will attribute this expert status to everyone that they perceive is like living the life that they might want and in this way that is almost I, you and I have both talked about this sometimes dehumanizing because yes. it, it it devalues the work that we put in and in how much of a an, an ongoing learning process it is and so the question is what is something that you've learned recently related to 
how you interface with relationships mm. that has either surprised you or been unexpected. And, and by recently, I would say maybe within the last year. Yeah, that's a really great question. I think that something I've really been learning hard this year is that the work is never done. Mm -hmm. I've had some things that I really thought, oh, I've worked so hard on this. I'm on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to work on it anymore. And then something happens that's triggered the fuck out of me. <laughs> and I realize, oh shit, <laughs> I, I still need to work on this. I still mm -hmm. need to rely on my support pod and be honest about the feelings that I'm feeling with the right people in the right context, mm -hmm. even when they don't align with my values. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big question that people ask. They say, how do you not feel jealousy anymore? There are no bad emotions. And if we try to push down jealousy, anger, sadness, grief, all these things that tend to be slotted as, as negative, right? It only gets worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I think I try a lot to logic my way out of my feelings instead mm -hmm. of feeling them. And it's in those moments I realize, one, I'm not, I'm not bad at non-monogamy for having panic attacks, for having CPTSD episodes, for really struggling at times. But it really affirms for me my choice to commit to non-monogamy anyway, even when it's hard, because I have a crew, a web of people that I can reach out to in these hard times mm -hmm. and really feel supported and affirmed to have the people who know me best say, it's okay that you're feeling these things right now. And I'm mm -hmm. here, I'm here with you in this moment yeah. so that I can then act according to my values. Once I felt my feelings and processed them and gotten to the root of why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling mm -hmm. maybe so insecure or jealous? Or why am I comparing myself and my relationships when I know that every, every connection is so unique and important and irreplaceable? So I think that's been my big lesson this year is even despite all these mm -hmm. years and all the work that I've put in, I still struggle too. And I think, like you said, um, mm -hmm. some people when they look to you as an expert where they're like, you've been doing this for so long. It doesn't mean that it's just been this easy road <laughs> that I was just able to, to suddenly move to a place of abundance. It, mm -hmm. it was a lot of hard work, a lot of therapy and a lot of community support and building intimacy with, with people that I deeply trust and have built trust with. Yeah. I, I want to like, I guess, ask, more for you know people who might not know do you would you be interested in talking about yeah. how you built that or what your process was in like w with building a web of care absolutely i would say it wasn't until i was living somewhere with someone that i trusted a long-term mm -hmm. um connection of mine that mm -hmm. I was finally able to slowly move out of survival mode mm -hmm. and build secure attachment for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's a huge thing that shouldn't be a privilege, but unfortunately yeah. is. And it was really from there that I started to be able to expand my connections. 
And mm-hmm. I think inherently I, I realized that contrary to a lot of the polyamorous people that were around me who were really focusing on couple units and having secondary partners and this like hierarchical level of things um, that never resonated with me. I also feel like there was a lot of my life where I had no idea what polyamory was. I just knew that I couldn't do monogamy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So finding the words and all the resources that have come out fairly recently were super helpful as well. But it was really, uh, you know, it's, I can't rank my friends like a MySpace top eight or something. (laughs) Like that's just not, that's not (laughs) how it works. Like each, each love is so unique. But I think that especially looking for other people who were also disabled, who were also wanting to commit to Mm non-monogamy, who were open about their feelings and desires, or at least to trying to discover them. Those were the people that I, that I really connected with Mm -hmm. and took the time to try to build trust Mm -hmm. and intimacy in a way that wasn't like, what are we like are you you know who who are you to me are you this are you that and it's really important to me that the people in my life not question where they are in my heart and how I feel Mm -hmm. about them so I try to be very transparent about my feelings and how Mm -hmm. important folks are to me so that they have that sense of security without it needing to be attached to a certain label and to know that yeah we maybe will have sex sometimes but even if we never have sex again, I'm going to care about you. Mm-hmm. And maybe the the frequency or like the type of intimacy we share will change, but my care and my love for you won't. Yeah. Um, and even if we decide to de-escalate or um, to not spend time together anymore, it's not like my care is just going to suddenly end. Mm-hmm. I might have different boundaries. We might not speak, but I I still care about people who aren't in my life, even if I'm not actively in theirs either. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm thinking about some tools that are like I know that you've used, and I've also used in this process of building. Are you talking <laughs> about the relationship anarchy smorgasbord? The smorgasbord, <laughs> but I'm also and I'm also thinking about the. The pod mapping yes. that um, Mia Mingus. Thanks so much for bringing that yeah, up. Transformative justice, disability justice um, activist and writer, thinker, has posted this pretty accessibly mm-hmm. um, and ha- has also done workshops on the topic. But if you look up pod mapping, you can find it. I wanted to just highlight it because, yes. um, you know, I hear in your answer, yeah, to this question about like, yeah, something that you've learned recently. It's a lot of the, the things that you're talking about. It is almost like it's like built upon things that are previous lessons. Yes, you know, absolutely. And, and I know that I think, I think it's awesome to like highlight. You know, that's like you're still learning. Like we're, you know, we're still learning. And, and I wanted to highlight, you know, the, these elements of things that you almost um I, w- I wouldn't say that you take it for granted but it's just it's more just in the water that you're swimming in now yeah you know? that's true that's true um, where i forget where, how it all started where yeah it was really those resources and people who who yeah. inspired me and it was also becoming so disabled and so 
deathly yeah, ill. To, to your breaking point. <laughs> yes. Because like, that's when we met. Um, it was. I, I forget about that. Yeah, no, because when we <laughs> met, like, you were in a very d- different place. Yeah, and, and I guess just to make sure I don't forget, like, why I was, like, highlighting this, I want to highlight it t- for whoever's listening who just, if it, in case it feels so unobtainable, mm-hmm. you know, to be like, because... Uh, one thing that I that Mia Mingus always highlights in any writing or workshop is your pod, which is essentially it's just a yeah like a a network of care or a network of resources that you can rely on that mm-hmm. you construct for yourself. Um, it, you you know you can literally write it down to visualize it, and it, and it can be people and organizations yeah. and, and sometimes resources. There might only be one person, and that's True. the thing that. She highlights all the time, and that so for some people there's a lot of grief in that. But it just you know, for anyone listening who who that is there or no one's on it, and it is just an organization. It doesn't mean that that's forever. Because I know for me, I'm sure I well I know that a previous iteration of my life and processing around striving towards whatever the fuck I'm trying to do. Yeah, that you know that was a, a reality for me as well absolutely um, me, me as well especially with getting so sick and especially in these covid times where mm-hmm. friends and so many people all around us are becoming disabled mm-hmm. it's going to be a more and more common experience that folks realize when they become disabled that suddenly their friends disappear mm-hmm. and it turns out they weren't as close as they thought and mm-hmm. that is a very intense type of grief that feels that that is so isolating and lonely mm-hmm. um but there are networks of care out there with disabled babes who know what you are going through and who want to be there for you and mm-hmm. there's so much possibility even within that grief and loss yes yes i know a lot of this can hinge on so many factors that are out of our control mm-hmm. um like where you live and, yeah. you know and also you know desirability politics does play into it. And I feel like these are conversations I would love to talk about, you know, more, you mm-hmm, know, so I, I know we both do want to, <laughs> yeah. but the one thing too, or that I want to like, I'm glad that you're bringing this up about what brought you to creating your web of care, because another criticism that's leveraged, not to always go back. No, to I need I'm, it. Give, I'm always, give it to th- us. I'm always thinking about <laughs> it. Um, and, and part of me, you know, doesn't always want to be, um, on the defense of stuff, but also I think it does help to articulate the intentions, Absolutely. you know, behind what we're doing. And so one of the criticisms I hear sometimes, um, specifically leveraged, well, it can be towards any non-monogamy, so even polyamory, but especially like relationship anarchy, is that it's not accessible. And mm. so I, I take large issue with this, and Me too. and I think that. I do guess that there are some people who say that, who they are, it, it could also be, that could be their experience that they have not been able to access that web of care and connection because of whatever variables um, exist in their life. And I do mm-hmm. think that we, we're very blessed in this region that we live in, even with the constraints that exist for us. I know, you know, we, we just went on a camping trip last week. <laughs> You know, it was so lovely because all these people are here together. But you, you know, you even mentioned afterwards, there was, even though we don't, 
all live so far away and we are able to see each other there is still grief in the fact that the infrastructure of where we live is does keep us unnecessarily further apart so you know i just wanted to highlight that there's grade uh, it's like a gradient you know Absolutely. it's a spectrum so yeah so there are some people who can leverage that criticism from a place of their own despair and their lived experience however i've heard this from people who it is absolutely not their experience they're not you know they do actually have like they could have access to connection and care the criticism is reflexive and i believe it it comes from a place of fear Mm. or um ignorance and and i and i don't say this in a way that is um intending to shame because a big part of the reason why you know you and i are trying to you know do this podcast is like you had mentioned earlier we don't we we want to be trauma-informed yeah we don't want to shame people Not but i all. i do want to challenge people because the people who, who are talking right now you know myself and jet a lot of what we are doing is come from our breaking points yes and 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 when and when we're saying breaking point it's not a light thing and i don't think we need to get into the <laughs> into the details of it but it's not it's like screaming crying throwing up yeah I mean, yeah yes. <laughs> yeah I mean, it is that yeah it's not it's not like it's just like oh like this light oh, i'm a little stressed you know like uh, no it's like it's come from desperation and and a recognition yeah that like what exists what is the norm this nuclearization atomization of connections even when it's not a uh, marriage or you know even when it's queer stuff like that's why we're saying the secret third thing because even in uh the context of polyamory like you alluded to you know people have this still focusing on coupling to the point where and i and i have learned you know people who identify with polyamory i mean even even monogamy people who use those labels still exist on a fluidity of the ways that they orient themselves to relationships and with that said the dominant way yes is definitely feeds into this atomization and so i think i can say this confidently based on all of our conversations we we, we want to have conversations to share you know through this podcast because we want to try to help people envision what is possible because we've had to figure it out on our own yes and, and from the very rock bottom absolutely so. and i think sometimes it's almost it can almost be insidious where we think oh these rules or agreements are making me feel safe mm-hmm. when really sometimes and you know i trust people to know that their own bodies and we're all mm-hmm. all the experts in our own experience but for me there was a lot of times where that quote-unquote sense of security was just false mm-hmm. it was not it was not real and it was actually making my my anxiety my triggers my stress level everything worse <laughs> yes yeah. um and i think that sometimes the societal programming programming that we have is so deep that it can infiltrate our perception of our own desires. And it's almost like, yeah, well, if we do ABC, then I'm safe and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's really just control rearing its head where it, it's you think that it's safer because you have 
control over it. But do you really? Mm-hmm. Are you really? Yeah, that's been my <laughs> my biggest theme. I do. It's like I want to answer. I want to answer this question and say that though to that like over the past several years in therapy, um, no matter what iteration of my life that I'm in, mm-hmm. uh, I it's always coming back to this accepting what I don't have control over. Yes, and that's and it's hard. It's hard because yeah, you think you know. And, and, and I think, think you understand, and it's just like you, it's just really hard to accept that we truly only have control over ourselves. Yes. And that's why I think, too, one of, um, like, individually and together, I think our big pillars of mm-hmm. what we want to challenge people to think about is, can can we be curious Yeah. about w- what we actually need and to really think about those moments like for me, I, I try to think of why am I having different expectations for a friend mm. versus my other friends? Mm-hmm. Why, why do I have, yeah, like a, a different formula for one person versus other? Not to say, obviously, all your connections are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a long-term love of mine is moving out. And mm-hmm. even though it's something we've both talked about for for years and it's going to be great and it's going to be good for me individually good for them individually i still had all these thoughts pop up that are not aligned with my values even though i have lots of people in my life who i love deeply that i don't live with mm-hmm. it was like are are we are we okay is this yeah. actually you know all, all those the societal uh conditioning creeps in um yeah even eight years later you said yeah yeah Yeah. so um i think it's it's really it can be really difficult to discern so i think trying to be open to curiosity and to really thinking about why even subconsciously we want to exert control over others and the fact that that does not keep us safe it it really can push the people we love away from us even if we don't realize that that's what's happening at the time Mm mm-hmm Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, every time you talk, stop your wisdom. <laughs> Not oh. every time, still a himbo. <laughs> oh, that's right. We have the right to be uh, ignorant. We'll yes, say. I do. Yes, <laughs> I do. Or him. I like himbo. I like and thembo. Yeah. I, we have the right to be himbos and thembos. <laughs> okay, so I want to answer this question. What is something I've learned recently that surprised me or mm-hmm. been unexpected related to relationships? I think that the the most prominent thing that's popping up in my mind is um so I have learned through my some of my more recent connections that have been more in the realm of yeah what would maybe be thought of as romance and relationships that involve like physical intimacy mm-hmm. um I have learned that labels don't help me um, and they actually stress me out and so um so that that's a lesson I learned maybe around 2020 but then so the most recent lesson though that I want to share is that even though I've come to that conclusion where I feel like I don't prioritize labels in my life I I do feel apathetic so and I, I'm sure I can get into this another time where I like I feel comfortable if if other people want to use the term partner for me mm-hmm. in that match if if that's helpful to make it our relationship 
legible to other people in their life, mm -hmm. then that is fine with me. For me, I I tend to I'm I'm a Leo. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to just have a lot like so many connections with so many different types of people that it does actually make sense that like the ways that I would use the words to describe my relationships will be different from what other people need mm -hmm. um and so but anyways to f go back to this um so even though i've come to this conclusion for myself that i i find it ex actually very like activating like on a nervous system level to hold my relationships up to a standard of like a prescriptive label when I <laughs> get into like an NRE kind of phase, new relationship energy. Yes, new relationship for energy. For those who don't know, the the brain chemicals still do the fuckery. Yeah, they they, do. they still will make me think. Like they, they, it makes me want to revert to scripts, mm. and it's not something I actually want. I wanted to highlight that I still have to actively work towards like grounding myself and and asking questions i like your focus on like the curiosity you were talking about how you know it's like how the value of curiosity um and you were talking about it in a different context yeah, but, but i but i similar, i really hold ways. it as a something that's been very important for me to yeah look at like why like why am i feeling this way and it would be one thing if i thought that after reflection that like what <laughs> the the chemicals in my brains are telling me to do or to, or whatever they're telling me is important um if it was actually rooted in something that would be helpful for me but i i've already learned <laughs> that that's not <laughs> helpful for me because it actually um i like labels have been an extremely extremely limiting force in my life to the point that i think that it has created barriers in my connections for them to be able to proliferate in an organic way that would like aid in the most care and support for each person involved so I know that and yeah and I still <laughs> when I get excited about new people I still have that tendency come up within me which is ultimately rooted in this socialized urge to control others and I don't want to control anyone but I still it pops up it, it pops up and I think that ties into as well, I know we've talked about this a lot privately as well, where what we've been taught like in how to romanticize people, that that really goes against our values because it's creating a fantasy out of somebody. Yes. And when you do yeah. that, you're not really seeing them. Yeah, and that's definitely been something I think also you and I have both experienced on the other end of, yes. we've been on the other end of that. Severely <laughs> romanticized, where I'm like, you don't understand <laughs> me or my life, and I don't think you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's, sometimes it's more fun not to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to, yeah. I and also feel like, matters. yeah, context definitely matters. And, yeah, I don't want to be someone's fantasy, and I don't want to create fantasies about other people. I want to build genuine intimacy and figure out who the people are in my life truly, who they want to grow to be as well, and mm -hmm. what makes them feel good outside of whatever my brain is creating. Like, we can't help mm -hmm. the chemicals that we, that we <laughs> yeah. feel because there's always going to be people that you meet in the wild 
that trigger you know you just see you see them across the room <laughs> and they're looking so good and they're looking at you a type of way and it gets all the fantasies in your brain going You're making me blush right now <laughs> and it's not like yeah no and right. i think it's similar to when i've shared the aromantic manifesto with friends mm -hmm. sometimes a lot of the takeaway will be oh so are you saying love is bad I'm like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's not romanticize each other. Let's be honest about when we're having these feelings and right. ground each other and be like, how can I, how can I really see you? And right. you can still play with the fun energy of it, mm -hmm. but like in a, in a way that helps you both feel seen mm -hmm. and to build intimacy that outlasts the chemical high. <laughs> or doesn't, but, you know, <laughs> yes. it could have more possibility, yeah. which is honestly more exciting. Wow, I love you. I love <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'll, I'd love to see how fast it takes for anyone listening to this to get sick of us yeah. uh, in, our, in our mutual yeah. love for each other. Um, just, we can't turn it off. Yeah, sorry, y'all. <laughs> We're going to be cheesy. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to move on to the, the next question? Yeah, before let's we do it. close out to contextualize this question. Yeah, I guess just thinking about who is the intended audience for this. I think anyone, anyone could listen to this mm -hmm. podcast who wants to, but a lot of people I think could, their entry point to the podcast could be because they're they're just getting curious mm. um, about non-monogamy. So, with that being said, the question I wrote for us is, what is one thing, or you know, maybe a few things <laughs> we'll if we try know, to, try to if we know <laughs> us and our yeah tendency to <laughs> to go dive on, in, dive in, yes. So, what is one thing that you want to say to people who are just starting? to step outside of dominant relationship paradigms? Mm, great question. I think I would say just because you struggle with big emotions, trauma, panic attacks, CPTSD episodes, you name it, does not mean that you're bad at non-monogamy. Mm -hmm. Does not mean that it's not for you. These are things that can be worked through and mm -hmm. there is hope and not to say that just magically one day it's going to be the easiest road ever no of course not life doesn't work that way but i do think the more that we build secure attachment the mm -hmm. more that we build webs of care the more supported we feel through hard times whether it's being triggered by non-monogamy or just life mm -hmm. and i i guess i would say too it's it's worth the work yes I it, agree it is that. worth the work and I'll tell you what I've put a lot of work in but ultimately I am much more stable and secure in non-monogamy than I ever was in monogamy mm -hmm. ever <laughs> because I, I, I just think that non-monogamy really brings it into your face and it really brings up mm -hmm. the roots of things and it can be a long process you know like like we're saying i'm eight years in i'm still digging up roots baby <laughs> uh still still having panic attacks still having episodes i think it was it was more insidious in in monogamy where it was this yes. kind of background noise 
that was constantly stressing me out in ways I didn't even realize. So mm-hmm. especially that, that initial transition, it is hard, but you're not alone and mm-hmm. you're not bad at it for having, having trouble and having mm-hmm. big feelings and struggling with shame and repression. Um, that's a big one for me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's the big one that is a prominent theme actively in my life. <laughs> yeah. Of working against repression. And it's been really yeah. amazing, especially these past few years, to watch you fight against it in yeah. such beautiful ways. Oh, and <laughs> to really, really fight for it and uh, act on your desires despite it. Mm-hmm. And... It's been incredible to witness. I'm really proud of you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for saying that. I, in, in response to what you shared, I'm thinking about how, yeah, I just, I guess I wanted to highlight that, like, it is generous, I think, of you to be so honest about these experiences related to you know panic attacks and how hard it could be um because a lot of folks who speak openly about anything outside of monogamy are often catering to the criticism mm-hmm. and and some Fuck people that. when they hear what they will say is if it's so hard you know they hear something like what you're sharing which is like i'm you know i believe is a gift because you're it's just you're being honest about <laughs> you know what people can often expect mm. when diving into this even while highlighting that it's worth it but you know what people like to pull out of it is to hear the hard stuff and say well if it's so hard like why would you do that and i like that you highlighted that it just manifests differently like the things that are hard it doesn't mean that like those insecurities that underlie what makes all of that come to the surface aren't there when you're just doing monogamy or yes. not facing this stuff. They were always there. Yeah. And I and in my experience what I witness is if if this those underlying feelings which are you know, often when people intentionally dive into non monogamy, they manifest as the you know, like you said, screaming, crying, throwing up. Um, <laughs> yep. you know, those if those things aren't manifesting in similar ways when people are monogamous what i witness instead is a numbing yes where people turn it off they're numb and and i and i associate that with repression Mm -hmm. and for me personally i think that that was more of my route of when i was in anything that was a monogamous relationship Mm -hmm. or or when I wasn't in any relationship before I was in a monogamous relationship and and I had the belief that I would never find love Mm -hmm. as the people who especially grow up disabled often that's the narrative that they're given and in those instances it was I, I experienced just a pure numbing I don't think that that would be at all preferable to whatever I experienced to get to where I'm at now. Absolutely. And, and so, like, you know, my response to this question about what I'd want to say to people who are just starting to step outside of d- dominant relationship paradigms is some of the strategies that are recommended by especially popular polyamorous influencers that I would say kind of scaffold, like, the process. Like, so it's like, there's this... Uh, 
there's a popular advice that kind of resembled this idea of like dipping your toes in. I think that if you're able to instead identify a support network yes to help you through just try to dive in yeah (laughs) because i i truly think that anything that i did to try to prolong this uh facing and confronting of these really intense difficult feelings Mm -hmm. that were you know rooted in this insecurity that i really feel like is a um, socialized in all of us. Yes. You know, because we... Well, it's ultimately, yeah. too, like, fear of aging, fear of death, like, yeah. that fear of who's going to take care of me long term. Like, and, it, and it makes sense, especially in our, you know, in, you know, we live in the United States, and in this, in our society, I mean, I, I do want to highlight that it's not... Uh, a person, you know, a personal deficit to feel these insecurities because, especially for some people, way more than others, if you reject monogamy, that is actually a legitimate fear. Um, you know, you could be alone, and so I, I, and I, and I, so with that, I do want people, if I were to say for people to start out, like, you know, I would also want to say to trust yourself, and like, I, I wouldn't condone anything that would be an excuse to exert control over other people mm-hmm. but you know everybody i don't know it's like people know their situation right um, everyone's so, on their own path and we can't but... know everybody's experience um and may, yeah, maybe you know maybe what we're sharing isn't the right fit for everybody but i think that there i've i've encountered a lot of folks in my life who are basically like on that diving board Yes. considering taking the leap so often and not taking it out of fear. Just fear, yes, yeah. yes. Where it's like, honestly, embracing the fear and diving in is a lot less intense than the fucking anticipation. Yes, <laughs> yes. And it's true, once you dive in, you can't just not be wet. Like, <laughs> you're going to be in it. Like, there's there are folks who... Like, let's say they're in a monogamous relationship and they open up and become non-monogamous. And then there's one person who says, actually, I want to go back. Can we put Pandora's box back? And yeah. go, you know, and I'd say majority of the time, if not 99% of the time, that's just not possible. Yeah. And you, you can't undo the connections that you make and the feelings that you feel. So, yeah, it, it, you have to be ready for, especially if you're trying to transition from a monogamous relationship into a non-monogamous one, you do have to accept the possibility that you both might change so much that you're no longer compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's true with any connection. You know, we, mm-hmm. we never know how long people are going to be in our lives. And that's the beauty of being human. It's hard, but it's also, mm-hmm. I think it makes me be very grateful for every day that the people in my life choose to be in my life. Mm-hmm. And I feel very, very chosen with that and grateful mm-hmm. and present for the time that we do have. Mm. I remember when I was first delving into being intentionally non-monogamous with somebody who is still very much a part of my life. And I had a lot of insecurities popping up. And this person was like, you know, would it? what if we just stopped, you know? What if we just closed, you know, went back to how things were? And I remember 
just being like very aware that that wasn't gonna help me yeah and being like there i there's no way to avoid even if that was structurally a decision that was made like you said there's nothing that was ever going to put things back to the ways that they were Mm -hmm. and now you know all these years later i'm glad that i was able to have that that insight and and i do yeah (laughs) there's there's always more i could say another time (laughs) we'll have more episodes coming soon (laughs) more episodes coming soon but yeah so i i think that i'm grateful for the place that i've landed (laughs) and that i wasn't like we didn't really take those steps to try to like you know to go at a slow pace because Mm -hmm. i think like you said diving in it's just go for it be brave it's the only way that i ever would have gotten to yeah to where i'm at me too me too yeah i'm glad we did it yeah (laughs) (laughs) and we're still yeah we're still learning every day right right but well, like what a what a place of abundance we've we've come to and built. Mm-hmm. We're we're both really interested in receiving questions and feedback and I really I really want to know um y'all listening out there what are your deepest desires? What are the things that you haven't felt like you could speak to anyone? Mm-hmm. Um the questions that you have for us send them our way. Let's talk about it. We we just got an instagram and our dms will be open what is the handle do you is it a uh, secret third thing podcast and it's all the slower case all together that's correct a secret third thing podcast spelled out in words <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so find us on instagram follow us share anything that you hear in this um if you feel compelled to do so in your networks and we also have an email um which is the same thing a secret third thing podcast at gmail.com yes awesome thanks for setting that up of course i yeah so yeah we're looking forward to to hearing from you all any anything else that's all i got talk to y'all soon (laughs) 